topical joke about the Oscars. There. We did it. Yep. Topical joke about the Oscars, indeed. Topical joke about the Oscars. We're recording this uh, on the day of the Oscars. They haven't happened yet. And I'm fucking ready to stop hearing about them, Nathan. I'm mad about the Oscars already. <laughs> about the Twitter rant do, do right before it that... happens. Oh, yeah. You mean you're mad about the Oscars in the sense of you're crazy about them? Or do you mean you're mad about the Oscars because one of the voters went on record yesterday as saying that she doesn't like the fact that people are trying to make Get Out a movie about race? Because that made let's not talk about that made me that. pretty Ooh, mad. I I don't want to. <laughs> oh, I could I could go on about that, but let's let's not let's not. This is a I think this podcast is about video games. I think. Uh, let me check. Uh, it's been a little while, so I gotta. Let's see here. Uh, this says that this is the Hey Poor podcast. It's about video games sometimes. Ah. Uh, it says that I'm the host, I Coleman, and that I'm joined by you, Nathan Terencio. Nico, Nico, Nathan, I believe is what it is. It's been a while. Yes, yes. That's, uh, that's on the second page of the script. Uh, people don't realize this. All of these shows are scripted. Uh, every single Hey Poor podcast since the beginning has been scripted. Uh, and that's why I think that uh, I should win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for the Paco episode. I think that was this last year. Yep. Yep. Uh, that that one was pretty good. Uh, normally, we would also be joined by Juicy J. Petriquin, uh, and we planned to right up until this morning where he had an emergency that he had to deal with. Jay himself is okay. He had to take care of someone else and something else. And hopefully everything will be fine. Our prayers are with you, Jay. Uh, we are going to make fun of you the entire time you're not on the show. Hey. As is tradition. Uh, yeah. How have you been, Nathan? I have been good. I've been playing a lot of video games, actually, for once on this podcast. So uh, we got some... Unrelatable. Cool I have one video game to talk about, and then <laughs> as many as many movies as I think our audience can stomach. <laughs> uh, um, oh, speaking of movies, I did get to see Black Panther. Uh, I think just like very very recently, like two days ago. So uh, I'm down to talk about that. Yeah, hey. I want to talk about that too. Let's hey, let's just get into it. Uh, I will I will say real quick. Uh, what we do at the beginning is we talk about the games, films, pop culture, etc. that we've been enjoying in the past week, or couple of weeks, or it's been a little while, so basically anything we haven't talked about on the podcast before is fair game. Uh, and then, uh, you know, sort of in our unfiltered, cool style uh, that we can't do in our professional writing for Hey Poor Player. Um, and then we will have a break for audience questions uh and for trying to get you guys to click on our ads uh <laughs> and then we will talk about the news which there has been some interesting news this week and i will warn you some of it is going to get necessarily political like I i'll just say now one of the big news stories this week uh one of the biggest stories in gaming has involved the president of the united states so if you would rather not hear about him and his wacky misadventures 
um, as, as especially as told by two people who uh, I think we've made no secret on this show are definitely politically left, both of us, mm-hmm. uh, then feel free to not listen to that. Um, but again, it is it is the biggest story in games right now, I think, and so yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna talk about it. Um, now Nathan, mm-hmm. normally I'd say what'd you play this week, but Black Panther. Yes, Black Panther. Ooh. Okay, so you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I just don't like the fact that people are trying to make this movie about race. <laughs> Wait, you mean, <laughs> I don't you mean see it was it. totally about race and like the distinguishing like fucking difference between mm-hmm. like say uh being from your home to like from like the home of your ancestors to being raised in America, probably a black American and dealing with different problems than mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't know, I didn't I get that at all. <laughs> I, I, I I don't even know where to go with that. I'm sorry, that was that was a bad joke. Uh, <laughs> black Panther good. Black Panther, very fucking good. Um, yes. And I kind of hate saying, like, it's not a perfect movie because I think that should go without saying that, like, nothing is perfect, right? And right. I think the most important thing to take away from, like, in terms of, like, just a, the quality of a Marvel movie is that this is a Marvel movie that's going in the right direction from things I think they should be doing with the with these new Marvel movies. Uh, namely, like, I don't need no more Iron Man. I don't need, like, no more origin story. I don't need any more, hey, remember this fucking character from this movie and the connection to this? No, I don't care. I just want to see some Black mm-hmm. Panther. So that, that that's just, like, a small thing I wanted to bring up, like, how, how much right in terms of, like, a Marvel movie yes. it gets, but also, like, I hope they do more of this, which I think they are going to do. Yeah. Um, it does It does fall into some of the tropes. Yes. Uh, like the fact that the villain is literally just a palette swap of the hero, but there's actually there's actually a really good reason for that. Uh, and and also, I don't know. Do we need to worry about spoilers? Statistically, just looking at the box office numbers, statistically, you probably watched it. it. <laughs> you probably watched it, and it's been. <laughs> this is gonna come out like like on the third week that it's been out since so like I yes mean, it's yeah fine. this is going to come out after the third weekend so yeah i'm gonna say we're gonna talk spoilers if you want to avoid it uh in the description of the podcast i will put the the times for you to skip if you don't want to hear black panther spoilers but mm-hmm. yeah i think i think if we did the last jedi spoilers a week after it came out then i think we can do black panther yeah after three weeks but yeah also also the fact that the villain dies uh at the end is something that um I don't know, something that a lot of Marvel movies, you know, do. Yep. It's a running thing. Like, nobody dies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe except, except for interesting villains. Yep, and now we have, like, um, 50 superheroes and, like, two villains. <laughs> like, Yeah, which is why they've had to start fighting each other, just because the superheroes are the most interesting characters. Yep. Um, yeah. But I felt like, and I know there's a, a lot of perspectives on, like, you know, whether or not Killmonger should have died whether or not Killmonger was right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt that his death was very earned and that he had a good death. Yeah. I mean, he really gets to have the last word. Yeah. Um, and boy, was it like really, I think yeah. even for someone like me, it was like really impactful. <laughs> like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I personally don't feel qualified to talk about the like racial aspects of the movie too much mm-hmm. being a white dude 
and being that there are many, many commentaries written on the movie by non-white dudes that you can go and look up and should look up yep. instead. Um, certainly, I, I think we could say you were talking about, you know, uh, the fact that it's not a perfect movie, and I would definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, with, as you said, the caveat that I don't think there's... Like, there's maybe two movies that I would consider perfect. Mm-hmm. Um and even then they're probably not i'm probably just being too nice uh but um the thing is like even if this was just black iron man and i say that meaning like if this was just a completely by the numbers marvel movie if this was you know your your doctor's strange your your aunt's man yep yep but with a black main character and a majority black cast that would still be something good and something important and something worth celebrating after all there have been a billion mediocre marvel movies with white dudes and they still you know pull in big numbers and everything yeah um i don't think it would need to be a perfect movie or even a like a substantially better movie than it i think just a black-led mcu film um that would still be an important thing yes uh and it's really sad that it is considering that this franchise has been going on for 10 years they've just had their first black superhero they've had no female headline superheroes you know they got the the scarlet witch and they got the black widow whose power is has a gun um and they got Valkyrie, I guess. But like, there's no, there's been no headline, you know, no main yep. protagonist female superhero movie in the MCU. Uh, there's been no Asian heroes. Uh, you, the best you got was Doctor Strange and Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> Yikes. yeah. And I mean, I, they did technically work turn one character who was supposed to be Asian into a, a white female, which I mean, good. Yes. She's a female, but also, uh, still, yeah, still, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm sorry. You also, quote unquote, have Iron Fist. Oh, boy. Which... Do we fucking love Iron Fist? I love that white boy <laughs> that didn't train or do martial arts to learn a fucking movie and then taught an Asian girl how to fucking punch. Oh. Yeah. That okay. Was... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that, that movie. We, we've talked enough about that. A show. Um, and I I am a white dude, but I will say that um, the the most I have to be mad about is the fact that they took Captain America, who was originally a Jewish character and who was created by two Jewish men, uh, and they did make him a Catholic. So that pisses me off. But that is not <laughs> that's that's the worst I have to worry about. Um, so yeah, it is it is disappointing that it took so long. But man, yeah, what a fucking movie. Yeah, it it really is a, a cut above. Um, it's, it's my favorite Marvel movie, uh, except for Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's just because Guardians of the Galaxy, like, speaks to me specifically as a Star Wars nerd, Mm -hmm. as, you know, a fan of, of all things spaceships and, and jokes, like, uh, Black Panther is probably even a better movie than that. Um, yeah, it's definitely up there for me. Like, I think top three, top yeah. two, like, definitely. And I've only watched it once. I'm pretty sure if I watch it again. I don't know how it'll stand if I watch it again, but, like, as of right now, like, having it fresh in my mind, it's definitely top three at the least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I know a lot of people have seen it multiple times. My dad, actually. Uh, my dad is not black. He's not an African-American. Uh, but he did actually grow up in Africa. Um... 
that is where he was raised. Uh, and then he came here to the United States uh, in college. Um, and it's been really interesting hearing him talk about the movie because he's seen it three times uh, because it makes him like homesick. Uh, he feels like the way uh. that they represent Africa and like hearing apparently a lot of the like tribal songs they sing are like, you know, he knows those songs and mm -hmm. he's been really annoyed because they're not on either of the soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about that, but like, so even that, that's the thing. Like it's, it's, you know, these, these things affect just telling new stories, you know? Yeah. It doesn't just have to be a, a new narrative for black Americans, although it is certainly that. Mm hmm you know, it, it, it can affect all kinds of people. And it's also just a more interesting story. Yeah. You know, we haven't had Afrofuturism has not really been a part of any mainstream American film mm -hmm. that I can think of. And like, so just seeing, you know, that, that interesting new vision uh, of the future. Yeah. Uh, one thing, one thing that I thought was really interesting about it uh, was that it is mostly I would honestly say this movie is mostly a political drama. Um, yeah. Like, it's not... It's certainly not what we think of as a traditional superhero film, and the titular Black Panther is probably the least interesting character in it. Um, I mean, he's he's good and all. He's very good. Mm -hmm. Chadwick Boseman, good performance and all. But, yeah. like, he's really not... Really, the, the main focus of the film is just this country wakanda that has you know this african country that has never been colonized and that has the most uh, technologically advanced civilization in the world um and i really like the fact that the film didn't like shy away from some of the questions that arise from that you know yep. the the implications of what if this nation did actually exist one of the big ones of course being why didn't they stop the slave trade? Um, you know, when they were uncolonized, why'd they let everyone else get colonized? And I, I was surprised that that issue was specifically like addressed and was honestly the main kind of focus of the film was stuff like that. Like, should, should it be isolated? But it stuck out to me because it's, it's a superhero movie that really only has two action set pieces. I mean, there's smaller action scenes, like when they're fighting in the water and uh, yeah, things like that. Yeah, the ritual fights. The, yeah. the, opening, the opening bit with Nakia that is like maybe 60 seconds of screen time. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly mostly there's the big uh, starts with a continuous shot fight in the casino. And then there's mm -hmm. the big fight at the end. Uh, yep. And most of the rest is just people talking to each other. And again, the comparison for me is like, it's it reminded me in and stay with me on with this it reminded me of like the star wars prequels in a way except good mm -hmm. um the star wars prequels are you know uh, an entry in a action focused franchise that switched to focusing around politics and it was boring and awful and mm. awful and boring and it was just i i found it really impressive that like despite the fact that black panther is a movie that's mostly talking it's mostly politics it's got you know big ideas that it wants to confront mm -hmm. like it it's still interesting and it's still so well written and well performed and the fact that it feels like these are actual questions that you would want answered and actual you know have real world implications like it just it did something that normally we would consider a bad thing mm -hmm. uh for an action movie and just did it so well so just from a level of like technical construction of film uh i found that 
very impressive and, and very enjoyable. Yeah, and I think, like, a huge large portion of that is the fact that Wakanda, like like you mentioned, Wakanda as a setting is so freaking interesting because it does have a lot of influences of, like, African culture, but it is its own unique, like, weird, like, like you said, Afro sci-fi kind of thing. And not only is yes. that not common, but it also, like, they did it so well, and I have to give props to, like, the production team, like, the art designers, Ryan Coogler, like, everybody mm-hmm. who worked on it, because, man, it is, like, I think they did an interview once where they said, like, well, if, like, if an African nation never got colonized, like, what would their architect- architecture look like, given in it in a modern setting, yeah. right? And that's perfectly what they did. And the fact that they made the focus Wakanda, like, they didn't do the Avengers thing where they just hip-hop, like, flop, like, travel to, like, different, like, landmark <laughs> cities, just because, like, hey, yeah. we have the budget. Like, no, there was just like, okay, we're going to go to Busan for, like, 15 minutes and then we're going back to Wakanda, right? It's like, and you get mm-hmm. a lot of that. You get a lot of Wakanda, and that should be the focus. It's one of, like, to me, Wakanda yes. was a character and probably the best character of the movie. And I agree. Yeah, and in addition to that, um, like, to add to, like, why, like, like we, like, I think Black the Black Panther was great. I think Chad, Chadwick Boseman was great. But you're right. It, yes. Like Wakanda was definitely at the forefront, and adding to that was the fact that the char- like the side characters were so well written, and like had mm-hmm. a lot of personality, comparative to like other Marvel movies where the side characters are just like stock white people or just die or a comic book reference. Sure. So sure. like I mean I liked every side character, even if their role was smaller, even if like their backstory wasn't as developed, like. There's, there was a point where, like, some of these characters had conflicting views with the main character, and I was like, you know what? I can at least see their point, and it's, like, understandable. Yeah. Considering I've only known you for, like, 15 minutes, but for some reason... But, you know, it's understandable. It's relatable. Like, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I think they did a really well job with just the setting and, like, the world of, like, Wakanda and this. And I think it's a great thing because, um, like, maybe it's just me. But I feel like Marvel has been kind of, like, straying away, trying to get away from Earth because they realized that they're just, like, they've got nothing. They've been in New York, like, a million times, so, like, they need to kind of, like, diversify the mm-hmm. settings because, like, you can only see yeah. so much of New York so many times, you know? Like, Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't read a lot of the actual Marvel comics, but I have uh, been reading the, like, Squirrel Girl run mm-hmm. with Ryan North and uh, Erica Henderson, I believe. Mm. Um, and they make jokes about that all the time because, like, in Marvel canon, like, every superhero is in New York. So Squirrel Girl's like, why do people keep attacking New York? Yeah. <laughs> so many superheroes here. There's there's at least one instance where she, she tries to run to a fight and there's already, like, three other superheroes there. Um. But yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree, like, and I th- have to say, I, I, you know, I always usually preface these things with, like, as someone who's burnt out on Marvel movies, Black Panther was good, mm. but the last few of these things, like, are kind of restoring my faith. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was great, I was lukewarm on Spider-Man Homecoming, I, I thought it was a more formulaic entry. I think, yeah, uh, was, I hated that. I, I, I like it, Thor but Thor Ragnarok, yeah. but yeah, Guardians 2, Thor Ragnarok, this... And also Last Jedi, which isn't Marvel, but is Disney. Like, it kind of seems like we're in an age, and I don't know how sustainable it is, but we've gotten a lot of, like, genuinely auteur 
uh, blockbusters, like blockbusters that are, you know, made by these directors with really interesting, singular, creative visions. Ryan Coogler, uh, director and writer of Black Panther, said that he thinks this is the most personal movie he's ever made. That's saying a even lot. Even though it's, you know, a, yeah, even though it's about a cat man with claws and magic purple juice. Yep. Um, uh, and, and, like, I think that's great. I think that is one of the big strengths of the Disney approach. And that's not to, like, you know, Disney as a company is not a great thing that exists, especially as it continues to absorb more and more of the entertainment industry. But the Disney approach of a studio where, for the most part, they let directors, like, do their own thing and, and realize their own uh, visions, it seems like they're doing that more and more. Um, I think that is a very good thing, uh, and it's given us some great movies. I agree. Um, on the other hand, you know, later this year we have Solo, we have Infinity War, and we have Ant-Man and the fucking Wasp. So, yeah, I think this th- we've probably bled this pig dry, but, you know, it was nice while it lasted. Hey, we got Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, pretty fucking We did good. get Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther and Last Jedi. That's a lot. Um, so you mentioned all the characters. Who was your favorite character? Because it seems like everyone has a different favorite character. Um, let me think about that real quick. I, I, it is fresh in my mind. So, uh, I, I kind of like, I like a lot of them, but like, I can't, let me, give me a moment to think of like my favorite, but, uh, who was yours though? My favorite character was the general Okoye. Oh, okay. Um, I, she was just... I don't know that I have a deeper reason. Just like she was so badass and so cool. Um, fucking the moment where uh, she's confronting, I forget his character's name, but Daniel Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, you know, he's like, will you kill me? And she goes, for my country in a heartbeat. And just like everybody fucking stands down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rather than face Okoye. Uh, that was just very cool moment. She... She almost felt like, I don't know, like she got to have some of the more badass superhero moments yeah. uh, than T'Challa, who necessarily for his character arc got the shit beaten out of him. Yeah, like every superhero uh, has to go through that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I also saw a really interesting, uh, really funny behind the scenes comment where uh, the actress, uh, oh boy, I'm so sorry, Denai Guerrera, I believe... Um, was uh, talking about, so like for the scene where they go to South Korea and she had to wear a wig, um, the like hair and makeup originally got her like a really natural looking wig. uh, And she was like, no, get me the worst, get me something that this character would never wear. Get me like the worst wig. Uh, Because that'll be funny. And it is. I thought that was a very funny moment. Yeah. But it's an even funnier behind the scenes story where she was like, no, no, no. Get me, get me a garbage wig. Yeah. <laughs> um. Huh. It's. I think you know what I was. You know, honestly, I think my favorite character, side character, is Shuri, and I'm yeah. gonna go with Shuri. Only like for a lot of reasons, I thought Shuri was genuinely funny, and like a lot of her like cringy meme like jokes or like one liners were like. <laughs> see, like to me, it's like well, she's like. Uh, like she's young i didn't know like her specific age but like yeah. i assumed she was like a teenager and i'm like why wouldn't a teenager make like a really smart like teenager who's exactly. well versed in technology wouldn't make like cringy one-liners of like <laughs> culture you know like yes and 
I think for me also, it's just that like uh, Shuri reminds me a lot. Like Shuri and T'Challa specifically, they remind me a lot of like me and my sister. Like their sort yeah. of brother sister relationship. I really like that in Black Panther. Like family is a really huge thing in their culture, and like seeing like the relationship yeah. between this like because we don't have a lot of brother sister relationships in Marvel movies, also, except right. for like the weird like Russian twin like. Black, you know what's her face? Uh, yeah. Scarlet Witch and yeah, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Yeah, which is really creepy. Um, also originally Jewish. Yeah, uh, in the comics, also not Jewish in the movies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> shit. Um, but yeah, like I, I really sure like she was a cool character. She was like the brains behind everything, and like I didn't find her yes. humor that cringy. I think it was fine enough because also because like while people complain about Marvel movies always having a joke, I did find that like. Most like like a good amount of the jokes purely came from Shuri, so at least it wasn't like everyone yeah. being like T'Challa being out of character and making like a weird like Iron Man one liner. You know what I mean? Like, if anything, you know, I've honestly mm-hmm. never understood the complaints about Marvel humor. Mm-hmm. I actually started writing an article for Hey Poor Player about mm-hmm. this, but never finished it because I'm mm-hmm. human garbage. Mm-hmm. But uh, the like uh, our our friend and ex podcast host Anthony Spivey mm-hmm. when he saw the movie he was like I liked it a lot but there were some moments where it just felt like it had forced humor like Guardians of the Galaxy and it was an especially weird argument for Guardians of the Galaxy because yeah. it's like that those movies are comedies yeah. what like, what forced humor yeah like it's okay to just say that jokes don't work for you like humor is subjective of course but Marvel like as a, as a the comics publishing house they've always been like super quippy. Yeah. kind of self-aware mm-hmm. uh more so maybe than dc i mean this is you know a broad generalization because mm-hmm. there have been so many writers and so many stories but marvel tends to be you know a little quippy a little self-aware yeah. of like that's kind of their style of dealing with the whole superhero thing and the inherent ridiculousness of yeah. that where dc often tries to double down and be like no you are going to take this man in a bat suit seriously Marvel is usually like, wink, we know this is silly, but won't you come with us anyway? Uh, and so I feel like complaining about humor in the Marvel movies is like, yeah, that that I've never understood that argument. And maybe someone else can explain it um, better to me. I'd um, be but Jay's also person. made that complaint. So maybe, you know, next week Jay will be here and he'll yeah. be like, you fool. Yeah. But I don't know. That's that's never made sense to me. And I didn't like again, I'm not gonna say that every joke in every Marvel movie is landed mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Ant Man was also ostensibly a comedy and I did not find most of it funny. Yeah. Um But like I don't know. I I don't think that's forced humor. I don't think that's like, oh, Disney's making there be everything be a joke. I think it's just jokes that didn't work and or didn't work for me. Yeah. I don't think it's like Yeah. I don't know. Uh-uh. Um I, I liked Shuri a lot, too. I thought Shuri was great. And I definitely agree with you that, like, the fact that she is 16, and I only know that because I'm looking at the Wikipedia right okay, now. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, played by a 25-year-old actress. I did know that. I did know that Shuri is older than me. <laughs> um, but uh, in real life. But she's 16 in the movie. Um, and, yeah, it. I agree. Like, it made total sense because she a, she's a snotty teenager. Yeah. Um, and, and she also, everyone gets cool moments. I loved her with the, like, weird purple hologram car thing that didn't make much sense, but was awesome. Yeah, right. But, That's another thing, and I, I talked... Go ahead. I talked about this on Twitter. This movie does not, like... Th- and 
blessed this. Um, and I think this stood out to me because the Marvel movie I saw most recently before Black Panther was I watched Doctor Strange on Netflix because uh-huh. it was the only one I hadn't seen. And I didn't really want to see it, but I had a friend there and we were like, all right, we'll get through this together. So that was that origin And that story. fucking movie, yeah, <laughs> Doctor Strange takes a whole fucking hour to get to be a wizard. When you sit down and see Doctor Strange, what's the one thing you want to do? You want to see Benedict Cumberbatch being a wizard. And fucking, it takes an hour. And then they have to build up to the fact that magic is a thing that exists. And then they have to explain how magic works Uh as though anyone cares. And I fucking don't. Like, even Deadpool, which I know is not an MCU film, nerds, but it's also a recent superhero movie. But every time somebody brings up Deadpool, everybody's going to be like, you know, it's not an MCU film. Yes, I know. (laughs) But like the first Deadpool movie also, it was like, it was like two movies crammed together where it had this really funny and enjoyable opening. And then there was 40 minutes of this depressing backstory to explain how Deadpool got his powers. And then we're back to the fun movie again. And it's like, why? Why this? Uh, like, I do not care how any superhero gets their powers. I do not. I, I complained about Deadpool when it came out and somebody said to me like, well, I didn't know how Deadpool got his power. I didn't know how Deadpool got his powers. I also didn't fucking care. I've seen a million superhero movies. I don't care what radioactive gunk he crashed into or ate or got bitten by or whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care how magic exists. I want to see some fucking magic. I want to yep. see some CGI particle effects. If your fucking magic movie takes an hour of its two-hour runtime to get there, you did a bad job. Yeah. Uh, and Black Panther... So, Black Panther, conversely, super does not need to over-explain that. It is a story about characters, and as you say, about setting. It is not a story about superpowers. So, they just say that if the black if you drink this purple juice, you have the powers of the Black Panther. They never explain where the purple juice comes from. It's from a heart-shaped herb. They never explain what the heart-shaped herb is, where it comes from. There's fan theories that it might be like an infinity stone or whatever. But it doesn't matter. You drink this purple juice, you're the Black Panther. Done. Yep. You have vibranium, you have super advanced technology. Done. Yep. That that works. That's, that's all I needed and wanted. And I genuinely really appreciated that. Because I don't think you need... I don't think after 10 years of Marvel superhero films, you need to sell us on the premise of a man who can punch very good. Yeah, we don't need Joss Whedon-style origin stories for every fucking superhero that exists anymore. Like, I... I'm personally sick and tired of it. Joss Whedon actually, I think, is... And, you know, whatever you think of Joss Whedon as a person. I think Joss Whedon actually did a much better job than a lot of the Marvel directors. Because he did the two Avengers movies. And both of them introduced new characters. And they were just there. It's just like, Hawkeye is a man with a bow. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch? They never explained Scarlet Witch's magic at all. She just had magic. And nobody was fucking bothered by it. Doctor Strange is a bad movie. Uh, yeah. No, no, I watched that very, not recently, but I watched that a year ago, and then I watched it, like, recently, because, like, there was no Marvel movies on Netflix, or, like, I just felt like watching yeah. it, and I was just like, man, this is, like, I, I remember, like, people telling me this movie was good, <laughs> and I was like, I don't get it, like, no. I really don't. It picks up at the end. Uh, oh, when they finally have magic, the magic is really cool. I think is cool uh, as a concept. Like or yeah. as like and also Dormammu's the fact that he's a villain that doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, I love I love one of my favorite tropes is the villain getting annoyed to death. And Doctor Strange did that and I loved that. 
Like, the Doctor Strange gets better the longer it goes on. And the last scene is the best scene. But yeah. So, I appreciate that Black Panther fucking respected its audience enough to be like, purple juice makes strong. Makes strong. Strongest metal in the world uh, equals best technology in the world. Like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it could, because it could have been like, whenever Ross shows up, like, Shuri could have been like, Here's the whole history of Wakanda. Yeah. Here's, you know, how we got all our technology. The vibranium a lot of... And they didn't fucking do that. Yeah, like, the yeah, she's just, like, even Ross is just, like, there's no way that could have, like, there's no way this, t like, kind of thing can exist. And she's like, no, it totally fucking exists. And then that's it. Like, she doesn't explain anything. She's just like, yeah, yeah. that's, no, it does. And he's like, he's just like, you got me there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, um... Yeah, like, such a... Like, it was really good in that regard. Like, it did a lot of things that... It kind of, like... It took it, it did a lot of things different than some of the more recent Marvel movies, and I'm glad for it. Or not the most recent, but, like, yes. some of the lesser entries in the entirety yes, of the universe. So, glad it did that. Um, yeah. Great movie. Yep. Highly enjoyable. If you haven't seen it, even if you're not sure about Marvel movies yep. or even if you, you know, don't care about the politics of it. Like, yeah. you should just go see it for a very high-quality blockbuster. Yep. Um, and yeah. I, I I do agree with, like, most of the internet that Killmonger was a fucking... If not, like, I think he was a great villain. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think he was great. I And I would talk more about it, but, like, I, I think, you, honestly, just watch it. Just watch the movie. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I, I, I think... Yeah, I think Killmonger is probably the best MCU villain. I don't know. I mean, there's not much competition there. Yeah. Oh, the yes. MCU yeah. Villains. Um, and that's a that's a real problem they had. I rewatched uh, this past week just for funsies, uh, the um, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Mm -hmm. uh, all two of them. Mm -hmm. All two of them. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, yeah, it stood out to me. Uh, two things that stood out to me was, first of all, in the first Spider-Man movie, both Green Goblin and Spider-Man have their powers at the 15-minute mark. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, compared to Doctor Strange... I know I keep bashing on Doctor Strange, but it was in my mind. Like, it just took so fucking long. 15 minutes. And this is the first Spider-Man movie that's ever been made. Not everyone was necessarily familiar with Spider-Man. They didn't waste your fucking time, yeah. 15 minutes. But also, yeah, they just spend so much more time developing their villains than a lot of the uh, MCU films. Yeah. 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 Killmonger's probably the best. Killmonger is a very interesting, well-rounded character. He's he's a villain who, I would say, he's a villain who's definitely still evil, for sure. Like, what he's doing is wrong. But he's doing wrong things for completely and totally understandable reasons. Yeah. It's yeah no yeah exactly it's it's an interesting and conversation. I, I appreciate the fact that he is offered redemption, and he rejects it. Yeah. Because I think it would be like, considering everything that Killmonger's been through and everything, I think if Black Panther like had just straight up killed him, that would have been, like yeah bad. Um, I, I appreciate that it's actually Killmonger who chooses, to die and who chooses not to be redeemed. Yeah. I, I think he's the best Marvel villain, at least in a very long time. I think so, yeah. And I think Michael Michael B. Jordan did a fantastic job, and I think there was, like... There, I think another reason, like, why Killmonger, like, Killmonger was so good was because even Ryan Coogler and Chadwick Boseman even said on record that, like, in a lot of ways they could relate with Killmonger, and there's a lot of, also, yeah. backstory, because uh, Ryan Coogler grew up in Oakland, 
and you know yes. like and Killmonger yes, was actually is a black American uh born in Oakland and his father is Wakandan yes so there's a lot of like there's like a lot of personal struggle maybe not the, like the whole killing people thing but there's a lot of things that like the director and even like members no, yeah. of the cast could like be like oh yeah no that was me growing up like you know, not feeling yes. tied to my African roots, but, like, hearing stories about this land that my ancestors came from that's, like, beautiful and stuff. But, and, you know, like, yeah. those kind of things. And I think it's, like, I think if we didn't have, like, writers or, like, a director who could, like, you know, put the insert themselves into a villain, because that is, are honestly, some of, like, the best villains are the ones that, like, are justifiable or somewhat relatable. Yes. Like, then we wouldn't have had, like, such a good Killmonger. Yeah, the best... Yes, for a Ryan perspective, you should always understand where a villain is coming from. You shouldn't... I'm not a big fan of... Uh, there was a trend for a bit that we're kind of coming out of, of like, there are no villains, every bad guy is actually just a misunderstood good guy. Like, I don't think that's necessary, but you should always understand where they're coming from. A yeah. villain should always feel like a real person and a real character, as opposed to like... Ronan the Accuser. Like, what the fuck was that guy's doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even... He didn't accuse shit, first of all. Yep. Completely bad branding. Yep. Um, But, yeah, like... uh, uh So, yes, I, I definitely agree with you that... uh, First of all, that the movie benefits from having people who, like... From, from you know, having black writers and a black director and people who actually are qualified to write about black America. And, yep. You know, have, as you say, having that connection to Africa um, that feels a bit lost. Uh, but also, yes, just a good villain should... Uh, uh, actually, another, you know, good example of a Marvel villain is uh, Adrian Toomes from the otherwise tepid, in my opinion, Spider-Man Homecoming. Because, again, yeah. you, like, you get it. You know, he's trying to provide for his family. He's a, he's a poor man, come from nothing. He's doing his best. Yep. And he's doing bad. He's definitely, you know, he needs to be stopped, but... Yes. Yep. That that every just like every character, you should you should understand where the villain is coming from. Yep. Yep. All right. We we have to talk about less. We have to talk about non Black Panther things. Yeah. <laughs> um. Sigh. Sigh. I'm gonna be really quick. I'll just talk about one video game. Um. Oh god. Yeah. If that's okay. It's like I'll just talk about one video game. That that's fine. Thing. But uh. So. I'm not your fucking boss. <laughs> so um. A lot of games came out within the last podcast and this current podcast. Uh, I, I I thought I was going to come on to this podcast. Like, if you were to ask me two weeks ago what I would have talked about on this podcast, it would have been Monster Hunter. But I've been playing a lot of Dragon Ball Fighters lately because um, all my friends got it. I like fighting games, so I got it. It's a really yeah. freaking good game. And I'm just glad to see a game that came from, like, a good publisher of anime games and not saying like those all those games are good but like they know how to market and like appeal to like anime fans a studio that's good at 2d fighting games and like and then also just being in an environment where it could like really take over um so what i'm talking about is uh dragon ball fighters is a 2d fighting game it's a tag fighter so a lot like marvel versus capcom specifically marvel versus capcom 3 and um mm -hmm. in terms of like gameplay it's fucking great this is made by the people who did guilty gear and blast blue these well-known um 2d fighting games uh with anime aesthetics and to give them the franchise of dragon ball was like that's like a no-brainer like give dragon ball to the best 2d anime fighting like developer ever and it sounds like a win but you know like like a lot of things in the game industry 
a shit ton of things can go wrong. But um, I'm glad nothing like really happened with this game yeah. that warranted it being bad. Um, the other thing is that it's such a like, and what I mean by environment is that like, um, tag fighters are not doing so well. Uh, and when I mean tag fighters, I mean Marvel versus Capcom Infinite did horrible. Let's not sugarcoat <laughs> it. Uh, between like yeah. in January, they like Capcom announced that it sold one million units. Sold. Okay, like that's not good because it was released in September. Um, and for fighting games, that's not terrible. But given the sales figures that they were predicting, two million. I don't know how they got that number, but like it didn't pan out. And obviously, for a myriad of reasons, most notably the bad art style and the lack thereof of X Men characters. Also, they reduced it to a two v two fighting yeah. game, which I mean, I don't care. Oh, okay, you know, I care. I care that they did that, and it was to highlight the thing, like the new mechanic, the Infinity Stones, and they just did a lot of bad marketing with the game. Like they emphasized the story mode that wasn't that good. It had an art yes. style that was very. Like, I know our style is subjective, but it was just bad. It was ugly. It had no, like, <laughs> it, like, the biggest offender is that, like, you couldn't really tell the difference between, like, the characters and the background, the foreground and background. Like, you need to make that really distinct in yes. a fighting game. Didn't do that in this game. Um, no X-Men characters. That's, like, the, like, that, that would, like, not, that yeah. would hurt any game, but it'll, but it hurts Marvel vs. Capcom because this is a franchise that started out as X-Men versus Street Fighter. It would be like no. It would be like having no Mario characters in a Smash Brothers. Exactly. Game. Yeah. It's really and I like. It seems I don't know if it was a Capcom thing or a Marvel thing, like you know, because it like the characters they did add are the, the cinematic universe ones. The popular, yeah. The the popular talk, um, and there's no like hard proof of this, but the popular belief and the popular rumor is that that was a Marvel decision. Um, much like how it was for sure a Marvel decision that all of the characters uh, look like their all the Marvel characters look like their MCU counterparts. Yeah. Um, so Marvel wanted to, uh, and let's be honest, probably Disney wanted to build up the you know Marvel Cinematic Universe, and so didn't want the X Men characters who aren't in that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's the popular belief. Yeah. So with that game being really the only current like gen tag fighter out like and it doing very poorly just kind of solidified that like regardless fighters was going to do well but it was also a, just a good fun game and i think the best thing about this game is that tag fighters aren't accessible like they look really cool to watch but like if you ever picked up like mvc3 that game is like hard as shit to like learn and, and, and like, Fighters is a game that's really accessible. It has a lot of simple mechanics. It has auto combos, but it doesn't take away from player skill. So I've been enjoying the game a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I, I give this game to my sister. I give this game to my friend who doesn't like fighting games. And they have a blast. They just, like, spam square all the time. And they still look like they're doing cool Dragon Ball, like, shit, you know? But when you get to a deeper level, like, me and my friend, we try to, like, learn combos and, like, auto cancels and stuff. And we're having, like, a blast. And... It still looks just as cool because it's freaking Dragon Ball. This is like, this is the the bombastic shonen anime. I mean, it's been that way for four decades. So like, yeah, I'm really mm -hmm. happy with how the game turned out because I knew the game was gonna be good. But like, to to see all like the positive press, to see like, you know, parts of my childhood like come to life and look so good, and just play so well as well as just being like, you know, if I was like eight years old when I was still obsessed about Dragon Ball Z and I picked up this game, I would still have fun. I remember being 14 and yeah. not having fun with Marvel vs. Capcom 3 because everyone just kept kicking my ass and I didn't know what I was doing and no one would help me. 
This game, it's like, if you spam auto combos, you know, you'll have fun. You'll look, at least you'll look cool. In Marvel vs. Capcom 3, unless you know actual combos, you'll never look cool. You know, so, yeah. it's a good game. It had server issues, I will say that. It had a lot of server issues. Um, those were fixed uh, relatively like, quickly, given that the game's only been out for a month. And I'm just, like, super happy with how the game is. I love fighting games and the fact that, you know, this game, like, is doing so well. And the fact that Capcom fucked up and needs to learn because they realize they're not the only tag fighting game anymore. Needs to pick up their shit. Like, I'm glad that this game exists mm -hmm. for competition, but also just as a good freaking anime fighter that has so much, like, mass appeal. It's really cool to see. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I I'm just like super loving it. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know more I can say. Like other than like oh, also like um, I'm glad they didn't put uh. This is gonna be a dumb thing to say, kind of, but I I'm glad they didn't put loot boxes. <laughs> they could have totally did that. No. But yeah, yeah, I'm just glad there's no like, you can buy like you can like there's gonna be DLC fighters, but like there's no actual like, you know like uh like buying boxes for extra like colors because that's what you can do in game you use in-game currency to buy colors and lobby characters uh no way you can buy that with real money so good just play the fucking game plus it's really easy mm -hmm. but yeah fighters is great got yeah. me back into dragon ball <laughs> that's all there you yep. go um yeah so i uh likewise really only have one game to talk about um i've beyond like beyond that i keep playing uh binding of isaac uh i'm like on on the switch trying to get all the stuff in that trying to unlock the last two characters uh almost at there's one character the keeper mm -hmm. uh where you have to put a thousand coins into the greed machine um wow. which is like you get it every time you complete this mode of gameplay you have to put a thousand coins into it and i'm at 900 and change so we're we're getting there. Get it. Um, I've also I've also played a little bit of Celeste. Um, I I'm looking at. There's a lot of games that I want to get right now. There's not a lot of money to get games That's right now. That's how I feel. It's the <laughs> so downside. Yeah, the the struggle is real. I, I might have more to talk about in a couple weeks. Uh, but what I have uh played for review, no less. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a game that I bought with my own money because Hey Poor Player did not have a, uh, an agreement with this publisher. And I sh very much regret buying this game is the Age of Empires Definitive Edition. Oh, yes. I, I've seen your Twitter, my dude. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> lay it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's bad. It's very, very bad. I gave it a 1.5 out of 5, um, and... It made people salty, but I feel that it is completely justified. I saw your score. Uh, so first and of all, I was like, man, I, I want to know what people are going to say about this because I, I saw like it being yeah. a one point five. I was like, damn. I, and I know like between the two of us, I'm the one who gives like the higher score to games. But I'm like, but I, I was looking at this. I'm like, whoa, I has never gone like that low in quite a while, though. Like that's low. <laughs> no. No, 1.5 and 1s, we take very seriously a hate poor player. An editor has to, like, look at the, look at your review and everything and talk to you and approve it because we don't want to give those out willy-nilly. But usually it has to be a game that is, like, fundamentally broken. And boy, howdy, hey, does this bitch qualify. Um, I think the last game that I gave a score lower than 2 was Troll and Dive, which was also, like, nigh unplayable. Um... 
But yeah, so Age of Empires. First of all, like, if you haven't listened to the show, I am a huge Age of Empires fan. Age of Empires 1, which this is a remastered version of, is actually the first game I ever played. It was, like, uh, I was a year old. <laughs> and I, apparently, I don't even remember this. Apparently, I just like to build houses and get villagers trapped in those houses. <laughs> um, but, like, so I'm in, you know, I'm an OG, bona fide Age of Empires fan. I love Age of Empires. I own all the games. I own all the re-releases of the games. Um, that is, you know, that and Doom are, like, the, the two big series for me that, like, I have genuine brand loyalty towards. Um, and I've praised in the past, I'm, I'm sure I've prayed on, praised on this podcast, although I don't remember exactly, uh, how Microsoft has been handling the Age of Empires series, um, especially Age of Empires 2. They did an HD remaster on Steam in, I believe, 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, they've just like been giving it a lot of support, been giving it a lot of features for free, released three really big uh like DLC essentially, but like big extra expansion packs that genuinely added a lot of really good content. The last one, Rise of the Rajas, I actually, or Rise of the Rajas rather, I reviewed, I cannot talk. Rise of the Rajas, I reviewed for Hateful Player and I give that a five out of five. Um, and they announced that they want to remaster all of the old Age of Empires games. They're going to create definitive editions for each one. Which I don't know if that means they're gonna re re release Age of Empires two or what, huh? Um, and the or like there was a re release of Age of Mythology, whatever. I assume those two are just like the the HD versions of that. But they're also gonna do this HD version of Age of Empires one and presumably like an HD version of Age of Empires three. And they announced at E three last year in Age of Empires four we still haven't heard anything about and that I am very wary of. Uh, because the original team that made Age of Empires Ensemble Studios got, uh, they got, like, shut down. Ensemble Studios got, uh, shut down by Microsoft. Uh, they went on to form, oh, what's the name of that company? I don't remember the name of it. Robot Entertainment, I think? They made Orcs Must Die. Oh. Um, Hmm. so that's what they went on to do. Which, I love the Orcs Must Die. Well, I love... All the Orcs Must Die games except for the new Unchained one that was like this weird bastard child of a MOBA and a mistake. (laughs) Um, But the OG Orcs Must Die. A lot of fun. Uh, So it's no longer the same team. Instead, it's this modding team, Forgotten Empires, that Microsoft has uh, hired on and has now made like the official Age of Empires team. Um, and for the most part, they've done a very good job, but this, and I don't know how much of it can be blamed on them and how much of it is Microsoft's fault or what, but this is garbage. Um, so just talking about like as a product, first of all, just like the technical issues with this game, um, just the things I listed in the review, which is an incredibly incomplete list. Uh, a lot of people can't start the game at all. Nearly everyone has some kind of issue with the text, Uh, It either disappears or changes font. For me, it went transparent, so I could see, like, the outlines of the words, but the color inside of the text was, like, transparent, so it was whatever the background was. With text, you know, being really important for a real-time strategy game where you, like, have to look at menus and manage, Uh you know, resources and stuff, and you don't know how many fucking resources you have. Um, There's new graphics, which I'll talk about in a second, and they're, like, advanced enough that this 21-year-old game has lag for some people. (sighs) I only experienced a little of that, but I experienced a non-zero amount of lag in Age of Empires 1. 
So that's, you know, that's unconscionable. Um, and I got a special treat, which has, has been documented by other players. I try to avoid, like, if it seems like I'm the only one who has a bug mentioning it, unless it's something really bad. But this one was, first of all, really bad. And I found other people who had it. Um, and, of course, I still got accused of making it up or of this just being something wrong with my computer, even though I linked to the documentation of the bug in my review. It's whatever. Oh, wow. It's fine. Um, anyway, in which the, uh, the problem I had was that the app, because, oh yes, let me back up. This game is only available on Games for Windows 10, <laughs> uh, what used to be known as Games for Windows Live, which a lot of PC gamers are still using Windows 7. A lot of PC users are still using Windows 7. Uh, some are maybe using Windows 8. I guess it's not impossible. Um, so, you know, it's a slap in the face to those people. It also just it's the worst if you remember all the problems with games for windows live this is just games for windows live 2 games for windows 10 um but this is like i think some of the age of empires stuff age of empires 1 was uh this definitive edition was announced at e3 and was talked about as specifically like microsoft really wants people to come to their store where all of the prices are way inflated and they don't have any of the deals that steam has and also they can keep all of the money um, so this Age of Empires 1 making it a uh, Games for Windows Live exclusive, or a Games for Windows 10, rather. That's a Freudian slip. Exclusive is to get people, uh, you know, to come to that. And Games for Windows 10 is so buggy, and it's like distribution is so buggy, that that's definitely, like, part of the technical issues are definitely a result of that. Which is why I don't know that it can all be blamed on Forgotten Empires. But anyway, so the Windows 10 app, has to be reset after every single time I play. Play Game of Age of Empires, I, have to re I then have to reset the app and then restart my computer before I can play again. Wow. Which obviously is a huge pain in the ass in and of itself, but also because it's being reset, I couldn't have any save games, I couldn't have any progression, although apparently the achievements are also broken, so who cares about progression? It's... Like, that is what made it a 1.5, is the fact that, you know, literally you can only play one game at the at a time forever, like some kind of fucking Groundhog's Day. Jeez. Wow. So it's a garbage port. Um, It also doesn't help that just the first Age of Empires is not a very good game. Um, I compared it in the review to the first Saints Row the first saints row which i think people are maybe like more familiar with as a series and as a concept where like the first saints row game is basically saints row 2 like nobody the first one the very first saints row game is just a generic uh, uh like um grand theft auto clone yeah uh not very interesting nothing about it stood out it did just well enough financially to justify its existence and then saints row 2 is the one that actually established like the series unique voice and everything that was interesting about it and made people like it and saints row 3 and saints row 4 both you know kind of like were, were more sequels to saints row 2 than they were to saints row 1 age of empires is the same way the first game was released in 1997 um, it was still, like, real-time strategy games were still a very young genre. They weren't really sure what they were about. Um, StarCraft wasn't out yet, and that kind of set, like, the bar for everything else. Um, 
And, in fact, uh, one of the main selling points of the first Age of Empires game was simply the fact that you could build a lot of buildings. They, mm-hmm. they compared it to SimCity with, like, wow, isn't it cool that you can build these historical buildings? Like, there was very little strategy. There was, like, horrible non-quality of life elements. Like, you could only build one unit from a building at a time. The pathfinding was awful. Everything was frustrating. You know, they didn't have the memory to actually have, like, a lot of unique stuff. So every civilization is functionally the same. They just have different things closed off on the tech tree. They don't even have unique units or anything. Um... Like, it's just, it's not a very good game. The It's just a prototype for Age of Empires 2, which has literally everything Age of Empires 1 has, but better, and there's more of it, and it's more interesting, and it's just a more cohesive and enjoyable experience. Um, and then there was Age of Empires 3, which was kind of the weird experimental one, and then there was Age of Mythology, which was like back to the root. Like, there's no reason for anyone to really play Age of Empires 1 except as a sort of historical curiosity. Mm-hmm. And they've really done all that they can to, like, make it less annoying. But doing so has just highlighted how there's nothing in the game. Like, when, like they made it so you can queue up units and buildings. They made it so you can attack move. They made a lot of the stuff, you know, better... Um, they include an idle villager button, which is really important because original Age of Empires, uh, like, the villagers would just stop doing things after a while and there was no indication of whether they were working or not except clicking on them. So they've added all this stuff, but again, that just kind of highlights, like, when you take out all of the mechanical skill of, you know, fighting, fighting the game, you just realize, why, like, wow, there is nothing to this because strategy was not a concern for them and there is no strategy involved in this. Mm -hmm. It's just who builds their units slightly faster and or who turtles up and builds walls because that's really like, Mm -hmm. those are the two strategies. Build the units slightly faster than the other people. There's not even really counters. It's just each unit is a sh- in, that you unlock in a new age is a straight upgrade of the previous unit. Mm-hmm. So you just have like the best cavalry, the best infantry, the best archer. Um, and basically the smart thing to do is just pick one and just jam on mm-hmm. it. As well as you could also build the single siege unit, which is the catapult. Mm. It's, yeah, it's just like... I'm torn, because on the one hand, I did not want to play the original Age of Empires with all its frustrations. Uh But again, on the other hand, this just, like, once you remove that, the game literally has nothing to challenge you or interest you at all. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a bad port of a game that was originally not very good. The graphics are great. Um, it's 4K compatible, and I, uh, got a friend with 4K TV to let me try it out, and it is gorgeous. I would say this is officially the best-looking Age of Empires game, even better than any of the previous remasters or any of the newer games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't just, like... For the Age of Empires 2 HD, they redrew the sprites. Uh-huh. Uh, for this one, they, like, drew completely new models and completely new animations and everything, and it looks gorgeous. But that's it. Like, you can get all the enjoyment you can out of this game by looking at the screenshots and going, ooh, pretty. Um, and the other thing is that, and this is, if you're not a fan of Age of Empires, this is going to seem like a minor issue, but bear with me. Because this is, if you are a fan of Age of Empires, this is kind of shocking to me that they did this. Um, so they first of all replaced the music 
They they replaced all the sounds, is what they did. Um, so they replaced the music, which is weird, because the original Age of Empires music is, like, it's really, really good. And the new music is pretty good, but it's not as good as the original music. And it's also weird that you would remove that from a product that is trading on nostalgia, right? That's the only reason anyone's going to buy the original Age of Empires. The only reason anyone's going to put up with games for Windows 10 is for the nostalgia. It's people like me who grew up with this game. You know, you're not going to buy it. And so it's, they remove the music, but also the original Age of Empires, um, rather than, like, rather than having uh, everyone speak in their native languages as they would do with later uh, Age of Empires games, so, like, the Franks speak French and the Spaniards speak Spanish, and mm-hmm. the uh, the original Age of Empires didn't do that, partially for storage concerns and partially because it takes place in the Stone Age and most of those languages are, like, totally lost. So they made up this funny fake language so, like, you click on Villager, he goes, Rogan? Um, and again, if you haven't played the game, it's hard to explain, but this is, like, these sounds are a big part of the Age of Empires community. Like, they're, they've been memed, and there's, like, YouTube remixes about them, and they're remembered. It's, like, it's kind of a big deal. Um, and, and they took it, it would be, like, no, no, here's a good example. It would be like in Smash Brothers, if, like, they made a remastered version of Smash Brothers Melee, but they took out all of the sounds and changed all of the sounds. Yep. So Fox, you know, didn't go, like, Toria anymore, or, uh, Michonne Compri, or any of that other stuff. Like, that, that is such, you know, that people make jokes about, and that's, like, a part of the game and a beloved part of, you know, the community around the game. Like, they completely changed that, and I don't know why. It's such a... It doesn't make any sense to me. Because, like, A, the original lines were not, like... It's not like they were bad, I'm sure. It's not like they couldn't just restore the audio quality like they did with Age of Empires 2, number one. And number two, why would you take out the most nostalgic part of a game that's trading on nostalgia? Yeah. So I didn't even get that. It didn't even feel like Age of Empires 1. It felt like this bizarre, new, bad thing that I had to reset every time. So I can safely say that nobody should get age of empires definitive edition it only got a 1.5 instead of a one because the graphics are really nice and because forgotten empires really cares about their work and there's a chance that they'll like patch it and do things to it that actually make it worth getting but like if you're a fan of the series there's nothing here for you and if you're not a fan there's even less like there's absolutely no reason to bother Mm -hmm. um you should just my recommendation to both old fans and people who are interested in getting into Age of Empires, is get the Age of Empires 2 HD edition. Uh, it costs literally the exact same price, and as I said, it has a ton of content, and, and like, it runs really well, and is also beautiful and good. So, sorry, I went on about that for even longer than I thought, but I'm very passionate about how much they fucked up Age of Empires Definitive Edition. No, that's fair. Uh, a game that, now that I've reviewed it, I will absolutely never play again but yeah i think that uh let's let's go to commercial break uh the hayport podcast is the official podcast of hayportplayer.com hey it's your one-stop shop for video game and pop culture news reviews and editorials if you like what you've heard here and don't want to wait till the Wednesday after next to hear more, that's the place where you can read all of our writing and the full reviews of some of the games we've talked about on the show, my nearly 1,500-word review of Age of Empires Definitive Edition. 
you can also follow us at HeyPortPlayer on Twitter or Facebook. And you can and should check out our YouTube channel. Um, I'm reluctant to say specifics, as we have a bad track record on this show of promising things that don't happen. But we are really trying, we are genuinely, and by we I mean like, not just like Nathan and myself, uh, you know, hey poor players, video managers, but like, the editorial staff and Jonathan and Francis and everybody, we really want to do, like, much more with the YouTube channel. And we are making plans to do much more with the YouTube channel. Um, so, yeah. Uh, highly recommend you check that out, subscribe, uh, all of that stuff that you do with the YouTube channel. In the meantime, that's a good place to find, uh, lots of reviews and some, uh, trailer leaks, uh, and my weekly series, I Coleman is Doomed, where I play Doom very badly, uh, and just started a new game on that, because I'm playing through every single Doom game, uh, so, uh, we just started, uh, TNT Evolution, which is the first expansion for Doom 2, so it's a good time to jump in if you haven't. Um, uh, also, of course, the Hey Poor Player Twitch, that's, uh, twitch.tv slash Player, which you, Nathan, yes. that is the home of you. Mm -hmm. And of which I am a huge fan. I try to watch whenever I can, which sadly is, is not often enough. But everyone, everyone should watch your streams because they are so enjoyable. They are so, I mean, obviously you, you do things that have very professional quality, but also like just so good natured and so enjoyable. And like, I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of streamers. I don't get the appeal. I much prefer the sort of thing I do, which is like edited video content. Mm -hmm. But when you do streams, Nathan, it's just like hanging out with you. And it's, it's, and you know, you're such a good friend. And I just, uh, everyone should watch Nathan's streams. What is, do it, you <laughs> fucking cowards. What a sweetie. Except for that last part. <laughs> uh, beyond that, Nathan, beyond twitch.tv slash mm -hmm. hey poor player, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. And Instagram as Green Tea Nate. That is where I'm most active. I'm most active on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, nothing interesting happens in my life, so that barely gets updated. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, Nathaniel Trencio, which I'm uploading more. I opened, like, I do this. I opened some Pokemon cards on there, which was like fun for me. It was just like a fun, simple video. I got good pulls. It was cute. I liked it. I don't cuss on there surprisingly, mm -hmm. but uh. Yeah, and I'm trying to do another video. I'm getting some parts uh, shipped in, and I'm gonna build a fight stick. So keep that, keep an eye out for that. And um, I really encourage people to, uh, yeah, like watch the Twitch channel because I am doing more streams. I'm actually gonna be doing a series where I'm going to play World of Warcraft, which is a game that I kind of fell off because. Man, World of Warcraft. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I'm gonna be doing going through like old zones and leveling up because they revamped the leveling system, so you can actually play in like the world and <laughs> actually like level up like yeah. like actually efficiently. So I'm gonna try to do that. I'm just gonna nostalgia trip to some of the worlds, uh, play some quests, like talk to people. So yeah, cat. Uh, we'll update our social media when that happens. And also, in speaking of social media, we're gonna do more social media specific videos, like videos that are specifically made at like really like really short bite-sized videos that are made for like twitter and facebook so uh keep that in mind keep keep an eye out for that i made one already uh, i don't know when it will be uploaded because i don't i don't have access to the social media so uh whenever that gets uploaded just uh 
like and share those videos. There's there should be I'm I'm, I'm planning on making two a week and I've already made one. I'm just waiting for it to get uploaded. So yeah. Awesome. All good things. You can find me at Last Space Marine on Twitter. That's the best place to keep up with all of my work. Uh, you can listen to, I have another podcast. It's called Star Worst, where every week uh, my friend Joe Sabus and myself, uh, a game critic and a film critic, uh, talk about, we watch one episode of the Star Wars Clone Wars 2008 TV show, uh, the CGI one, that is complete and utter garbage on a scale you might find hard to believe. Um, my goodness, some of the recent stuff. Uh, and so we, uh, and we talk about it and we make a lot of jokes and that is something that I'm becoming increasingly proud of. I think like it's a very funny show and also a like good critical show. So you can check that out at starwarscast.tumblr.com. Uh, we do that for free. You can download all the episodes, but, uh, I would appreciate it. Uh, I'm working on a video game. It's, it's still in progress, but you can uh, check that out at steelarmgame.com. And I don't remember if I've talked about it on here, but the soundtrack for the game has been released. Uh, the Steel Arm original soundtrack from J.C. Johnson and Amanda Steckle. J.C. Johnson, who also did the uh, uh, Second Opinion theme music, which is actually on this album. If you buy it, you get the Second Opinion music, which is called uh, uh, Crimson Blues. Uh, and everyone should get that and listen to it. They Both of the people who worked on the music did a fantastic job. Uh, and you should support their good work. They deserve to make more money off of this game than I do, honestly. I, I truly believe that. So that's SteelArmGame.com. Uh, what else? I plug my Twitter. Yeah, I'm doing the... Like I said, I have I Coleman is Doomed on the Hateful Player YouTube channel. Um, and that's another show that... That one's a mostly a straight-up comedy show with some occasional notes on game design as the Doom series of games are my favorite, and I try to talk about that. Uh, but mostly that's a that's a very silly show. A lot of jokes and music, and, and maybe you'll enjoy it. Uh, we also have the Hey Poor Player Discord and the Hey Poor Player Forums, both of which are uh, things we use to keep in touch with the community. Uh, Deputy Editor uh, Jonathan Tressler specifically wants me to mention the Discord, so that is... What is the Hey Poor Player Discord called, Nathan? Um, I, I do not spend as much time there as I am supposed to. Um, let me look it up. It doesn't matter because there's a giant link on the side of the Hey Poor Player website with a picture of the Discord. You can click <laughs> on that. You can join it. <laughs> uh, it is just called Hey Poor Player. Um, and yeah, if you're a Discord user, you should do that. I am not. I probably should be. Uh, but we're, we're I, gonna have a decent we're gonna ha um we're planning stuff for the discord so um like i said the social media videos uh, some of those will be on we'll have specific ones for discord to advertise some contests and events that we will be planning for the future and also um something i want to make an active effort is if you are in the discord while i am streaming um I will, if given the opportunity or uh depending on the game i am willing to stream games and have people uh and play with people and we can voice chat in the discord and things of that nature so uh keep an eye out for that also we're trying to make we're trying to Hell use yeah. the discord to communicate with all of you our fans and the people who support us and yes. it'd be cool for and we want you i want you guys to join the stream so keep an eye out for that yeah who wouldn't want to play world of warcraft with nathan i should see if bailey wendell former co-host of hey poor players welcome to warcraft a show that nobody liked <laughs> <laughs> but uh she, i liked it it was great that. it was great i liked it 
I liked it, except that it was it was a ton of work. Oh yeah. And then it would get like, and then we get like eight views. So I was like, this is not worth the amount of work. Um, as opposed to you know, I Coleman is Doom, which I can do really easily, which is pretty popular. I feel it. Um, but yeah, welcome to Warcraft. Go, uh, everyone, go to the Discord and just spam hashtag Welcome to Warcraft. <laughs> just like constantly spam Jonathan specifically saying that Welcome to Warcraft should come back, and I'll bring it back. <laughs> but yeah, uh, also the forums. Uh, we have those, and you can ask us podcast questions there. Can they ask us podcast questions on the Discord? If not. That's gonna if if that's not the case, I'm gonna make that a thing as soon as this. Right now, is done. it's not set up, but we should 100% set that up. <laughs> I'm gonna make a channel. I'm gonna make a channel in the Discord that'll be called Podcast Questions. Nice. Okay. For podcast questions. Cool. Uh, but you can also do that on the forums, as with Candiness, hey. participant to Ponst, the Hey Poor Player forums. This might be a bit late. Uh, not as late as we are, Candiness. Don't worry <laughs> about it. But I don't think you've talked about it. So what are your most anticipated games of 2018? Oof. Oof. Uh, I I know what mine is. Uh, my most anticipated game of 2018 is... Was also my most anticipated game of 2017. Hopefully it comes out this year. But that is uh, the new Pathologic game, which is now being called Pathologic 2. Uh, Pathologic is a game that people might not know of, except that I talk about it all the fucking time on anywhere I am given a platform. Uh, Pathologic is a sort of an RPG, kind of, uh, from Icepick Lodge that, uh, was never super popular in the States because the port was so bad, but now has a, an HD remaster that is like five bucks on Steam. It's not really an RPG. It's, it's, it's kind of a walking, it's a game where you have to survive 12 days in a sick town um and it's sort of an rpg horror walking simulator thing where like it's very depressing and none of your choices matter as much as you think they should and you just have to try and survive basically and it's got this the best story i think of any video game ever and i'm a huge fan of it it's a very weird art game but i love pathologic uh, because it's in part because it's a weird art game that's also like 40 hours long um and I, I love that. Uh, but yeah, so they're uh, they're making a new one, though, Pathologic 2, which is designed to be both more accessible and, like, less gamey, taking the focus away from the sort of traditional RPG mechanics that they felt like they had to shoehorn in to try and make it feel more, like, natural and more like your, you know, but more like its own thing. And it's a really ambitious project. If they can actually do everything they say they want to do and they're trying to do, then it will be like, I think it will be the the best game of all time. If they can actually do everything they say they're going to do. And even if it's not that, I, I expect great things from Icepick Lodge or a great developer. Pathologic's a great game and really excited for Pathologic 2. I still need a, I still need to play Pathologic. <laughs> mm-hmm um so for me it's actually funny because my anticipated game of 2018 was released at the beginning of 2018 it was monster hunter world so that's out now but yeah yeah <laughs> i thought that might be the case. yeah but um was it everything you wanted it was yes it was it was everything i wanted as a longtime <laughs> player and it was also just surprised me how many new yeah. players got into the game because of how accessible it became 
the fact that it wasn't on a potato handheld, like all these things, like it's just, <laughs> it's just a great game. Yeah. And so I guess like besides Modern World, because it it's already released, I think my anticipated game for 2018 is Soul Calibur 6, mostly because I have, I'm not good at fighting games particularly. I like them. I grew up with them, um, mostly like with cousins who just kicked my ass and never taught me anything. But um, Soul Calibur has a special place in my heart for being, like, a game that, like, I always felt like I could have fun with regardless of, like, whether I was doing good or not. Just from lore and, like, the aesthetic. And, like, I have fond memories of, like, playing it on the PS3 with my friends and we would just get into lobbies and play with, like, like 30-year-old people who hated us because we were kids with squeaky voices. So Soul Calibur 6 mm-hmm. is, the, is what I'm looking forward to because... And also because the last one was released um in 2011 i believe so it's been a good minute and um there was a lot a lot and the reason it didn't come back was the same reason tekken didn't come back for a while was because the last game did so poorly people were like oh maybe people don't care about soul Calibur." and it's like no we care you just didn't make a good game and it seems like now they're taking yeah. the effort to make a good game that's going back to its roots but like not like but not being a straight like remake of like the first soul Calibur. it's kind of like the mortal Kombat thing where they're just like retconning some stuff but like it's essentially going to be a new game and they're kind of trying to make it cleaner mm-hmm. and i appreciate that so soul Calibur 6 is what i'm looking forward to uh, my friend from bandai namco said that he got to play it um and i know he's affiliated with the game but he said it's really fun like he's not part of the publishing game he's just a marketing guy so like but it's really fun so yeah so uh <laughs> oh yeah, so according to, to the marketing guy the game's gonna be really fun yeah but i mean <laughs> no i get i get what you're saying i get what you're saying that was too funny. Not to no, play. I tell you. Uh, another, uh, couple, I don't know. Other games I'm looking forward to: Sea of Thieves. I love pirate shit, so that's that seems interesting. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I love pirate shit, but I hate MMO shit, so I don't know where to come down on Sea. Of that Thieves. is true. Um, there's actually a game though that I was, uh, that like was just announced this week that is supposed to be coming out in the third quarter of 2018, which is Ion Maiden. I don't know if you've heard of this. I haven't. What is it? Ion Maiden is a game by 3D Realms oh. who made uh, Duke Nukem and made a bunch of the old, uh, 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 sorry, build engine games. And it's actually a game that is being made in the build engine. It's the same engine as, as Duke Nukem 3D and everything Ooh. still. Um, and it uh, is sort of, it's connected to, it's the same main characters, their game Bombshell, which was basically their attempt to do Duke Nukem, but it was a woman, which was not well liked uh, i have a very soft spot for it i thought it could have been something more than it was and i enjoyed it all right for what it is um but now they're doing it like instead of being a top-down thing it's a first person shooter it's in the build engine and it looks great uh it was literally just announced like just this week um it's technically an early access in that they released a five episode preview campaign so if you pre-order it like you can play five levels now i said five episodes it's it's five levels um and i don't know that just looks really cool and obviously looks like something that's right up my alley as a huge fan of old style classic style first person shooters uh looks super cool uh and i'm glad that it exists as this weird interesting little thing uh other than that i don't know i tend to take games as they come i try not to get too excited for anything before it comes out uh because i feel like uh, as i've talked about as a critic it's not my place to like be a free marketer for companies Mm -hmm. so i try not to get too excited for anything before it comes out and i try to take things as they come and often my favorite games of the year are things that end up surprising me so 
Um, but yeah, that's what I'm keeping my eye on. For sure. My eye on maiden. Haha. Uh, food question from Canoness. Brussels sprouts, yay or nay? Um, I think for me, uh, I think it's how you cook it. I, I don't hate Brussels sprouts. I don't think they taste sure. bad by any means. I guess it's just like whether you just boil it or if you actually take the time to season yeah. it and stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel, I know that's most food and I know with some people it's most vegetables in general. But, like, I don't get, like, the yeah. massive hatred or, like, I feel that there's massive hatred for Brussels sprouts. It's not like they killed my family or something. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say yes to Brussels sprouts uh, in general. Um, they're, they're really good in, uh, Ethiopian food. Um, mm. there's a few Ethiopian restaurants in Kansas city where they serve like Brussels sprouts and I'm not enough of a chef. I'm not smart enough to know like how it is prepared there. I just know it's good as very good. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Like you can have nasty fucking Brussels sprouts, Yeah. but in, in general, I, I think, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, let's go to the news. News time. Let's go. Uh, so the ESRB, Electronic Systems Ratings Board. I, did I get that right? Now I have to check. Did I get that right? <laughs> did he get it Entertainment right? Software Rating Board. I got it so wrong. Entertainment Software Rating Board um, is, uh, as I'm sure everyone is at least generally aware, they're a body... Uh, formed of like representatives mostly of the largest uh, video game companies and stuff um, that uh, uh, was formed in response to people uh, blaming the Columbine shooting and, and similar acts of violence on violent video games and the threat of video game regulation which uh, hmm. hmm but uh, <laughs> hmm thinking emoji uh, and so they, mostly what they do is they give games ratings, uh, in the United States, just in the United States. Um, and they, there's been a lot of pressure on them to do something about loot boxes. There's been a lot of pressure on a lot of people to do something about loot boxes from mm -hmm. the, uh, games publishers themselves, obviously to fucking stop, um, to, uh, legislators with, there is, it, there is threat of quite a bit of regulation hanging overhead. Um, the various governmental bodies around the world, uh, not just the U.S. In fact, in some ways less in the U.S. because of our current our current administration is mm -hmm. not pro regulation. And I think whoever you are, you can agree with that. Um, but so you know, the, we talked. I think I can't remember if this was on the episode that got deleted, but we talked at some point, if only amongst ourselves, um, about the uh, ESRB um, refusing to classify loot boxes as gambling um, and and similar issues uh, surrounding loot boxes. Well, they finally decided to take a stand, and being the SRB, it's kind of a dumb one. Um, I don't know. Well, let's see what you think. But uh, their plan is to, um, basically, in addition to the rating, mm -hmm. uh, they're going, I'm trying to find the exact, this is a very long, very in-depth article uh, from Owen S. Good of Polygon. Uh, yeah, they're going to put a label on games that have in-game purchases, uh, which will be applied to games, quote, 
with in-game offers to purchase digital goods or premiums with real-world currency, including but not limited to bonus levels, skins, surprise items such as item packs, loot boxes, mystery awards, mm -hmm. music, virtual coins, and other forms of in-game currency, subscriptions, season passes, and upgrades, e.g. to disable ads. Huh. Um, so... There are lots of there's lots of concerns mm -hmm. with that. Uh, one is that basically, if a game has DLC or season passes, again is is another one. Um, they're going to have that in-game purchases label on them. Um, that label will also be applied to free games. Uh, and it will be applied to loot boxes. So many people's concern is that it's just going to obfuscate the issue, right? Because uh, it puts something like uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, which I was, I am not a fan of how like a whole difficulty mode was made something you have to buy. But certainly it, it'll put that in the exact same camp. It will have the exact same label as Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is obviously much worse and, and you know, complete fucking scum. Um, it, again, a free game, you know, uh, uh, something... I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but whatever. Any Like, it's some mobile game, you know, where you pay a little money and you skip ads or whatever. Something like Gunman Taco Truck, which is free and innocent. Again, same as Battlefront 2, which cost 60 bucks and had a 50 bucks season pass and a 90 bucks special edition and, you know, re would require you to spend hundreds of dollars to unlock all the characters. Exactly the same mm -hmm. uh, in the eyes of the ESRB. So they announced this in a phone call uh, mm -hmm. earlier this week, uh, March 3rd, I believe, March 2nd or 3rd. Um... But uh, they, they announced this in a call with a bunch of, like, games journalists uh, bigger than us. You know, your Polygons, your Kotakus, surely your IGNs. Um, and uh, this was February 27th, I'm sorry, is exactly the date when this was announced. Uh, and this was Patricia Vance was the uh, president of the ESRB, and she was the one who made the call. And some of the reporters asked her um, about this and pointed out how expansive the board's labeling of in-game purchases was, how pretty much every game that's out now would have this label. And her response was like, she was confused. Uh, what? She was like, yeah. She uh, she apparently like confused and she kind of stammered for a bit. And then she said, there are post-release expansions that are not offered for sale from within a game. Um, so so the that would be like if 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 a game has DLC, but there isn't a buy DLC button in the game that is somehow treated differently from if a game has DLC and in the game, there's a button that says buy this DLC. <sighs> what the hell? Um uh, and, uh, again, ONS Good from Polygon, uh, pointed out, um, that, like, that's pretty much the case with all games, um, and she just repeated what she'd said before. So, she seemed, uh, it, it seems like the ESRP doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that, that's my takeaway from that. What do you think, Nathan? Is this, is this labeling good? Is it bad? Is it indifferent? The like the the problem is is that like while 
the cause of this labeling is because of like harmful like loot boxes because in a lot of ways the big issue that a lot of people are having is like is this gambling etc etc let, let, let like ignoring all the like sh things that are like just sh inherently shitty with like the way loot boxes are in some games it, that it's gambling right and that's like kind of the inherent thing mm -hmm. but i like the point like the label is just flawed in general and i think we both know that as like people who like well like like it said like everything that you could potentially pay for so just dlc expansion packs season passes like the point of the label is to distinguish like what has in-game purchases and if that all falls under that then like yeah everything will have that label and it just kind of invalidates like the whole point that like it's supposed to warn you that there's purchases when you put when it's such a wide mm -hmm. spectrum of like what is it like categorized as an in-game purchase you know what i mean so yeah i yeah and i don't think i think they're like so sold on this idea and i don't think they like they're under like they under fully understand like why it's not so good to have everything in this wide spectrum that like they just yeah like they're just flabbergasted they don't know what to say they don't know what to counteract with which to be fair it's like they can't really you know without changing the whole system yeah but uh yeah i i i don't i want something to be done about loot boxes and like harmful in-game purchases but i don't think this is like i don't think this is a solution nor a like even mm -hmm. a like decent answer you know like again this is a hard topic to like kind of like tackle but at the same time i don't think this is like an appropriate answer i like the direction i don't i don't think it's the right answer though the way it is currently yeah um another thing as i'm looking through this uh, they also made a statement um vance said i'm sure you're all asking why we did not do something more specific to loot boxes reporters agree uh, and she pointed to focus group research that suggested parents weren't familiar with the concept and even those who were weren't actually informed about what a loot crate involves. So inform them. That's kind of the point of like the you know? rating in general is to in it's not to tell people not to <laughs> buy it. A... It's just like to inform them that, hey, this thing, this game has this kind of concept. Maybe you should like, like, yeah, maybe you should rethink your decision. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that it like completely it's literally putting a band-aid on the problem yep. it's literally putting a sticker on the problem like the problem is predatory business practices the problem is introducing loot boxes and i think most people know like most okay most like gamers you know the the people in our circle yeah um it's a meaningless term but the people who like really care about video games and who are up to date on stuff like they know if a game has loot boxes or not mm -hmm. and if not you know they jump into the game they're they're made aware mm -hmm. that's not really the problem the problem is those because most people don't buy loot boxes like or most in-game purchases maybe a couple mm -hmm. like most people will buy maybe a couple skins in overwatch that they really really like or something it, but mostly loot boxes and a lot of this dlc stuff is designed to uh prey on people with addictive personalities people with which is why uh people want to be uh regulated as gambling um and and to be you know uh treated as gambling mm -hmm. is because like gambling it it preys on a few people who are going to spend way too much money and you know you see these profiles every so often of like this person spent ten thousand dollars in tf2 or whatever um the the so-called whales mm -hmm. uh from uh, in of to use the shittiest marketing <laughs> term um but like 
so the problem is not awareness of loot boxes, it's it's companies putting them in in the first place. Loot boxes should not exist. That's period. There is no reason for loot boxes to exist. And that's why I don't like any game that costs a full price, 40 to $60, and has uh, in-game purchases beyond that. This is something that Jay and I disagree on, that I think you and I disagree on, but I am a hard line if a game is full price, it really, even just if a game costs money, you shouldn't have to deal with that because the psychological pressure of microtransactions, like, that's the price you pay for a free mm -hmm. game. Uh, that's not the price you pay for, like, if you're paying real money for it, you shouldn't also be hounded by more attempts to get your real-life money. That's my feeling. Uh, we can respectfully disagree on that. The thing about loot boxes, and the reason loot boxes are at the heart of this whole thing and this controversy controversy that's going on, is because loot boxes only exist to prey on the customers. The only reason to introduce a loot box that randomly gives you some kind of item instead of just giving you the item directly is to make you have to pay more money to get the things that you actually want. Um, it is nakedly transparent. And that's why there's such a problem. And again, this is just... The, this, this will do nothing. Um, even if it wasn't so broad, and people are talking about how broad it is and how it lumps, you know, games that have less predatory uh, microtransactions with games that have more predatory microtransactions. Um, you know, again, it lumps, like, what we were talking about, like, the Age of Empires 2 that has, like, just these content-rich expansions extra for a little bit of money. Those are just as bad as, you know, Overwatch or Shadow of Mordor or something like that. Um... But even if it wasn't broad, I just, it's, it's, this is what the ESRB exists to do, is to protect the industry from regulation by making it look like they're, you know, doing something. Um, it, that's the whole point of the rating system was, no, no, instead of banning violent video games, we will, you know, just put these ratings on there so people will be aware if they're getting a violent video game. And, I don't know, I mean, that's a, that's a different conversation um and in fact it's a conversation that we're gonna have today so should we just go into yeah that? let's do it i think i think we like more or less like kind of agree on like the idea that the rating is it's not a full fix and even like in that yeah. regard it's not even like a it, like you said it, like i think you said it best it's like putting a band-aid over the problem it's not actually doing anything so yeah let's move on to the yeah even if it was a mm -hmm. Even if it was a label that said, like, that said loot boxes or DLC available or you can buy skins in this game, I still don't think just a label is the way to do Especially because who's who's buying physical games anymore? Uh, yeah, that's the other who's even gonna thing. See the like, the, the, most, the biggest offender of these, like, sort of um, in-game purchases are free games, actually. And, like, yes. hell, the App Store on, like, your iPhone or, like, your Google device even says, like, this might have in-game purchases, and that's, like, even a super vague statement in its own right, you know? Like, that already yeah. exists, and it obviously doesn't do anything for, like, you know, to people who already, like, spend so much on these, like, app purchases, so, yeah. All right, the United States is having a conversation about gun violence. Um, we have a lot of it. Mm -hmm. We are not specifically... <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're, we'll probably not talk specifically about the gun aspect of things, although, again, 
you know where Nathan and I fall on this. Like, if you've listened to the show at all, if you follow us on anything, like, it's not... Yep. We are both liberal. You you know what's yep. up. Um, but we are having a conversation, a national conversation, about gun violence. Uh, and <sighs> President Donald Trump... <sighs> I'm sorry. It, it's just, okay. Saying it aloud, it's you okay. know. I'm here for you. President Donald Trump said on March 1st that he will meet with representatives of the video game industry next week, meaning this week when we're talking about this. The president had previously come out in favor of gun control. After this March 1st meeting, he met with the NRA and changed his mind, and now he's against gun control, you know, a day later. But um, they're at a White House briefing. Uh, reporter Zeke Miller asked why the president was unable to get legislators to bend to his will on matters of gun control. Basically, our government does not want to pass any kind of gun control at all. Our majority Republican Congress and Senate and uh, House of Representatives and obviously executive branch, they don't want to do gun control. They think that that is not the solution. So they have... In a completely bizarre move, and basically just the president is is bringing this talking point back, um, is is suggesting that it is the fault of violent video games and movies. He said, quote, The video games, the movies, the internet stuff is so violent, it's so incredible, I see it, I get to see things that you would be, you'd be amazed at, I have a young very young son who I look at some of the things he's watching and I say, how is that possible? And this is what kids are watching. And I think you maybe have to take a look at it. You know, you rate movies for different things. Maybe you have to also rate them for terror, for what they're doing and for what they're all about. So yeah, he made this statement and he previously made the statement that uh, there should be a rating system for movies, apparently unaware of that. And he then made the statement that there should be a rating system for video games. Video games have had a formalized rating system administered by the ESRB since 1994. But that's fine. Our president is a fucking idiot. That's fine. Um, now, there's an interesting other aspect to this story. Uh, besides just, holy shit, we're doing this again. There's, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things about this. Not necessarily the good kind of interesting. Um, uh, including the fact that there are a lot of Trump-supporting sort of alt-right uh, gamers who are very conflicted. Um, and that is very funny to me, is to see those people upset. That makes me very happy. <laughs> um, but the... Uh, the interesting thing is that the uh, reach for comment, the Entertainment Software Association, said that neither it nor its members, which includes some of the industry's uh, most high-profile developers and publishers, had heard from the Trump administration yet. Uh, the So the ESA, it's the largest you know U.S. video game uh, trade association. Um, they're the ones who put the ESRB in place. Uh, the, that's like a subset of the ESA. Neither of those organizations have been contacted. So it's unclear what representatives of the video game industry he's meeting with. If it's not, it's not just that he's not meeting with the ESA. He's not meeting with anyone associated with the ESA. So like, you know, for example, EA has representatives there. That means he's not meeting with anyone from EA, you know, but basically everyone you would think of as being there. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who he's meeting with, but let's let's say for a second that our uh, president, who lies about basically everything, is telling the truth about this, and that he is going to meet with video game uh, publishers. Um, well, what what's what's your what's your hot take, Nathan? Do I have a hot take on this? Am I just not like? I was like, okay, because like I kind of know. I, we're like we both. Kind of, I kind of knew about the story beforehand, but like before this podcast, and I'm just, just hearing it again is like, I'm <laughs> like, I have no words. It's just okay. Let's just say, he is gonna meet with publishers. We've had this conversation so many times in the past since entertainment yes. was like media was created about like whether yeah. media is harmful to people and multiple times no <laughs> like it does like violent yes. movies I mean, and you music can, and you, video games don't create violent people oh you can go back even farther than that yeah we think about like you know the violence in movies and you talk about the haze code and and you know rock and roll music and how scandalous that was you can go back even further read some of the shit people were saying about novels before charles dickens popularized the format novels were like if it wasn't a play, it was garbage, it was low art, and it was violent and crass, and it was encouraging people to do the wrong... Fucking bicycles. Bicycles were going to encourage lesbianism. Do you remember that? I mean, you wouldn't, like, not... Have you heard of that? No, I have not heard about that. What? <laughs> well, you see, once women have a bicycle, and they can have the bicycle seat between their legs... It would encourage not just uh, like lesbianism, but it would encourage them to no longer seek out a husband, because they would have a bicycle. You see, this was a real talking point. I mean, to be fair, most bicycles treat women better than most men do. I'm just saying. <laughs> Ayo! But back to the point. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. There's a there's a really good Atlantic article about it. How the bicycle paved the way for women's rights. Um, yeah, that was in the 1890s. Uh, and also, it was also controversial because of the fact that women could go places on their own. Ah, there, there we go. Uh, I just gotta, uh, I think the most vicious, this is, uh, from the Sunday Herald in 1891. I think the most vicious thing I ever saw in all my life is a woman on a bicycle, and Washington is full of them. I had thought that cigarette smoking was the worst thing a woman could do, but I have changed my mind. Well, um, <laughs> I, uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, like, so fucking bicycles, like, video games are just the current thing, you know, soon it's gonna be, like, VR, yep. or, you know, hyper-reality, whatever the next, the next time we come up with some new artistic medium, yep, that, it, it'll be that yeah. shit, yeah, um, video games are violent because people make them, and people are, violent and we tell stories about violence and we tell stories with violence and we have for literally as long as we've existed um i yeah i mean i the that whole argument you're right it feels so tired and so stupid and so we're really doing this again yep um i think the there's a major difference in that it's not like jack thompson it's not some crazy well, I mean, well, it is. Yeah. But it's it's a crazy who's the it's a crazy who's the president of the United States of America yep. and his administration. 
talking about it. Um, I don't, I really don't know that anything's gonna come from this, especially again, the update, the like more recent update where nobody's actually been reached out. Yeah. This is probably just a talking point to get uh, the conversation away from guns. Yeah. But I still think it's something that's important to talk about and to be aware of, like the idea of video game regulation um, coming back, even if only as a talking point, just the the fact that it's coming back. Um, and yeah, I don't know that there's much more to say about that. It's Yeah. It's, it feels nonsensical. I do think there is something of a problem. I do think, like, games are getting more violent in some ways. They're getting more graphic. That's mainly just, like, better graphics means that, like, the violence is more hyper-real. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a problem not of, you know, necessarily needing regulation, per se. Not of the violence aspect of it. I, I think education, rather. It it's There needs to be more education. Because, uh -huh. like, I know, you know, enough parents... Um, who just don't understand what they're buying for their kids. I mean, we all know, like, or knew, you know, people who, like, their parents would buy Call of Duty for them because they didn't know anything yep. about it. Um, like, my parents, I'm lucky. I come from two geek parents, both in computer science, both who play a lot of video yeah. games, too. And so, like, you know, they, they understood, and, like, I was not allowed to play M-rated games till I was 10, and, like, there was a conversation about it. And, yeah. Like, but I do, like, I think that there is something to be said for that. I think there is something to be said for what children are exposed mm -hmm. to in the age of the yeah. internet. And I think that that's not just video games. I think that's been a conversation with YouTube oh, a yes, lot lately. Yes. With um, the, uh, I don't even know how you describe the, uh, I think it's, what is it? It's uh, Elsa Gate is uh, the one thing that's called, which what? is just like. If you don't know what Elsa Gate is, you got to look it up because it's so okay. hard All to right. explain. But basically, there's these horrifying uh, animated or like automated rather videos um, that like are just produced by an algorithm that are hugely popular on YouTube and that are flagged as child friendly, but that are like horrifying shit. Uh, like if or, if or if you've seen those games or whatever, that's you know like Elsa pregnancy scare or whatever uh -huh. you know um if, if you're not aware of it that's a really like that's a complicated oh, thing that exists but basically i, I, like, I have heard about this i'm sorry i just didn't i didn't know it was referred I, to as I figured you, my bad yeah i figured i figured you probably had um if you're not you know i, w I would read up on that it's again basically it's just like youtube is letting uh children on it's like it has child-friendly protections but there is some beyond horrifying like beyond horrifying shit that gets through that uh obviously also there's been uh logan paul who got demonetized for three weeks and is now remonetized by youtube um and whose audience is made of mostly children and who does horrible shit and is a horrible garbage human being a waste of perfectly good carbon um whose audience is like all children yep. mostly children who are defending him and who think that what he's doing is right and good um and that you know that would not be accessible like back when it was on television no kid would let their or no parent would let their kids watch you know something where somebody's making fun of a dead body or whatever if it came on television but like well i can't say no but hopefully fewer but the internet has made that stuff more accessible um 
things like the popularity of Five Nights at Freddy's with children, which I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but it seems weird that one of the most popular properties with kids right now is this very quite scary horror franchise. Um, and I definitely think that too is certainly spread by the popularity of YouTube and by parents just not understanding mm-hmm what their kids get up to. Yep. But that's an issue of education. That's the issue that the ESRB said it wanted to dodge of like, oh yeah, parents don't know anything about loot boxes. So we should not talk about loot boxes. That's a fucking opposite, you fucking fucks. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my take on all of that is that there's a conversation that needs to be happening and our current administration cannot at all be counted on to have the right conversation about yep. that ever. Agreed. Uh, and also ban all of the guns. That's our real hot take. <laughs> ban, the, ban the guns. Yeah, no one gets guns now. Yep. Uh, hey, but Black Panther was Man, good. Man, Black Panther was lit. I love that soundtrack too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, the soundtrack is very good. Uh, I liked when there was a hologram car and then later there was a hologram spaceship, but they could drive it like a real car in a real yep. spaceship. It was very that was cool. cool. It's a very, and it was all purple with yeah. the main, the main color choice. Like the, the main color palette of the film is like purple, yep. which is very yep. interesting if it's not like wakanda's like natural earthy tones it's like this really cool like pr- like sci-fi purple it's actually it's the same as luke cage where it's like purple and yellow because like uh killmonger his suit is kind of orangey yeah yellow. yeah luke cage had a bit of that same aesthetic where yep. the primary colors were like purple and yellow yep um perhaps there's a significance there that i'm not aware of or perhaps it just look good as fuck. Yeah, which I mean, it did. So, <laughs> yes. Um, I wish we just talked about Black Panther for two hours, but we yep. can't. <laughs> All good things must come yep. to an end. This podcast also has an ending. Mm-hmm. This is that ending. Every week, we like to shout out uh, somebody who's not on the podcast, a hardworking member of the Hey Poor Player team. And uh, this week, we'd like to highlight a very new hire uh, who I have to confess, I've been out of it for a little bit, so I, like, don't know her that well as a person. But uh, Zoe Weiss, who has been um, mostly doing news stuff for us. She's done a few reviews, uh, but she's a very hardworking member of the uh, news desk and the news team uh, here at Hey Poor Player, which I respect because I don't like i can't i can't keep up with stuff enough and post enough it's too stressful for me i prefer doing long form content and like we have some great people on the news and i'm really glad that zoe has joined that uh and also you were uh you were saying yeah she's um one of the key moderators and and she runs a lot of the discord along with jonathan so uh and she's been doing a really good job of that trying to keep engagement up on our discord and she has a lot of cool ideas for it so uh, props to that because um, yes. I don't like I, me personally I don't go on the discord enough and I know that and it's really good that someone is trying to keep yeah. engagement up on that because it is an important platform for us to talk to you all so yeah and also uh, again I don't want to talk about these things too much but uh, she uh, as well as some of our other um, uh, female talent 
is uh, planning to do something quite cool for the YouTube channel. Uh, I think Zoe actually might be planning to do a couple things, so uh, keep an eye out for her there. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to everyone at Hayport Player is so great. Yeah, yeah, you're all they're they're all wonderful. You're wonderful. Everyone at Hayport Player is so good, and we're here with our Ding Dong podcast. We didn't even talk about Ding Dongs this nope, week. No, I kept it pretty tame. I think it's I think it's just because it's eight. Yeah. It was like eight a.m. when we started recording. So yeah, and I've I've been sick and. But man, Black Panther. Black Panther, though. That, that'll be the title of this episode is just... Yep. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I have been I. Coleman. And I've been Nico, Nico, Nathan. Have a wonderful week. Uh, tune in next time. And let me see. Oh, uh, yeah. This shit. Uh, I'm on the last page of the script yep. here. <clears throat> it says to uh, milk... That waifu train.